Welcome to Build a Drone Reviewer Podcast, Episode 6. Rick Smith from Drone Valley. Got that coming up next. Last Tuesday night, I had the privilege of having Rick Smith from Drone Valley on. Rick is one of my favorite drone reviewers, and I consider him not only a mentor, but a friend as well. We discussed a number of things, including future releases with DJI, the state of affairs with Autel, some of his latest videos that he's put out, and also his brand new podcast. So without any further ado, let's jump into it. And here is Rick. Hey, Bill. Rick, welcome. How are you this evening? I'm sorry, man. How you doing? I'm doing, I'm, hey, you know, I'm, I'm suffering in this 80 degree weather down here. So yeah, I got to tell you, you're killing me because you're cutting into my flying time with daylight savings, extending my flying day. I had to rush home from a beautiful beach I was on. Oh, no. Well, you <laughs> come okay. down here. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a very beautiful beach down here. So. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. How, how have you been? I'm doing well. Things are good. Very busy, but good. Well, that's, that's absolutely good. God's got a, a boatload to talk about. I want to talk about a lot of things. I want to talk about, um, I know you just came out with a series on your three favorite drones under $100, which I really like. Also want to talk about your uh, new drone flyer series that you've come out with, which is fantastic. I know you've done a podcast. We're going to talk about that. But yep. the um, 999,999 pound elephant in the room uh -oh. is uh -oh. everybody's been talking about you know, this April 23rd DJI event, you know, and, and it's just one of those things. Now you may be under an NDA, so you might not be able to tell us anything. Do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, interesting question. Well, I haven't heard anything about the April 23rd date, to be honest. I'm, I'm being a little glib here, but I can say Scout's Honor, I think it's this hand, right? Scout's Honor? Yeah. That at this point, I don't have any definitive information about any release date, any new products, any upcoming things from DJI. And that's as honest as I can be about it. I have absolutely no definitive information about any release date or any products coming. Having said that, any flyer who's worth assault knows that the prime time for quads to be released is February, March, April in time for summer. So it would stand to reason that with DJI having as broad a portfolio as they do, of both products that fly and filming equipment and all the other cool stuff they build, that they probably have something in the pipeline that'll show up sometime before it gets really hot here in New Jersey. And that's all I can say. Well, you know, that's 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 pro probably. I mean, that's exactly what I what I was thinking too. And you know, it's you know, just just stuff just just comes out in volumes at times. It just seems, and you right. try to disseminate this stuff, and you know, and, and I try to do that, and I try to we. It's like it's like going out and beyond our property we have have some have some tall grass over there wild grass and everything it's like trying to cut through that it's it's, it's just sifting through a big mess of things it's just it's just yeah, crazy. I, I mean i to prove that i'm not really in on anything yet we can talk hypotheticals if you'd like cuz i think that's fair okay um, um you know one of the things um i was on canadian drone hub now i don't know if you've been, you've seen them or or been around them I no i haven't um, but, uh, they are a fantastic group of people. Roger uh, runs this group. They're on every day for about three or four hours. And wow. Val runs it with him too. I was on last Saturday morning. And um, let me tell you, Rick, it is a wonderful drone community. Um, you know, they're all, they accept everybody there. You know, if you talk about drones, it doesn't matter. Uh, religion, race, creed, sure. national origin, doesn't matter. You talk about drones, you're welcome there. And that's, uh, and, and they've always welcomed me. Um, in fact, we had Roger on last Wednesday on Coast to Coast Drones with Bill Thomas, and it was that was a great time. But what we talked about was, you know, um, uh, in a hypothetical type of scenario, um, that I thought that what DJI would com be coming out with now would be a Spark Two, and the reasons I thought that they would be coming out with a Spark Two, the, the number one was. You know, um, the Hubson Zeno has been out and the Xiaomi yep. uh, Z8, um, you know, the, or the Femi, excuse me, Z8 is coming out. And, yep. you know, it's it's cutting into that market. And I know Bill Thomas and I and Ron Braun, we've been in agreement about this since day one. We really think that this new hypothetical drone that's coming out is going to be a spark. 
Yeah, so let's call it Project X because we don't really know if there's anything coming. It could just be the geniuses at DJI sort of stoking the flames to keep people excited about it. But let's pretend they're going to come out with a drone. If we think about this logically, they've got really four categories of drones that they sell today. They've got the high end with the Inspire. They have the Phantom line, which is their sort of prosumer, high end of the prosumer line. They've had the Mavic line, which includes a Mavic Pro, Mavic Pro 2, or Mavic 2 Pro, Mavic Air. Um, and then they've got the Spark. And actually, there's a fifth category if you count the Rise Tello, which they're going for that sub $100 category. I think the Tello is due for an update, but that'll be a Rise product probably. I think the Spark is definitely due for an update. I think the Mavic product line with the new Mavic 2 that came out and the Mavic Air only being a year old, I think both of those are spe spectacular quads. I fly both of them pretty much every week. I've got both of them in the air someplace and I love them for different reasons. I always say, <laughs> I love all my children equally. <laughs> They're all special in their own way. But I think that the Phantom line, since the Phantom 4, and I know you fly the Phantom 4 Pro 2, uh, I'm sorry, Phantom 4 Pro V2, um, I fly it as well. That's kind of the end of the Phantom 4 line. They can't really do much more. The RTK came out, so that made it even cooler for surveying. But I think if they're gonna come out with a product, I agree 100% with you, it's gonna be a Spark product or something in that Phantom line. And I know there are a lot of rumors out there that, and you got in trouble for the Phantom being dead. I, I don't believe it's dead. I think that that platform has still got a lot of wide acceptance. It's not as portable as the Mavic 2. I mean, the Mavic 2, I have it's. I must sound like a mental patient, but I have it with me here. <laughs> I, I, I was just flying it, that's why. But I love that quad. I think that that quad to me does 99%. I'm not big on percentages, but 99% of what I need to do with a quad with the one-inch sensor. So what would they have to do to seduce me for a new, a new Phantom product? What would it take to get me into a Phantom product? The Spark I get. Like if I, I know you guys have talked about it a lot, but if they update the Spark and give me a 4K camera, Better yet, if they make it folding, that's an interesting product to me, especially if the price point is right. So there I'd be, I'd be interested. The Phantom, I don't know. I mean, what could they do? It's, it's, they could improve the frame maybe to make it folding, but then it's really a Mavic-style product. Maybe they've got changeable lenses. That's a good thing. I would rather see a changeable camera make it extensible like they did with the Enterprise to a certain extent and allow me to pop on an infrared or you know a FLIR type product and maybe a zoom lens on one. I mean, the lenses are great, but it's not quite what I'm looking for there. So they could surprise us and it may not even be a quad. It might be, I've said for years, I don't know why they're not going after the submersible market. You know, I work with PowerVision, I work with um, uh, Chasing Innovation and a lot of companies in that space. I think that market's ripe, you know, for people to have a submersible that goes underwater. So it could be any of that stuff. Well, you know, um, well, here, I'm just going to welcome a few people. Artco is here. Art, um, welcome here. Uh, Whizbang99, Alon's here. Uh, Rick Halber, uh, thank, you, thank you all guys for showing up. Alec Killen is here. Um, you know, one of the things that Bill Thomas brought up and was real interesting, I know DJI has been into these um, robotics, um, the um, the land type vehicles too. And, you know, he and I had a little talk about that, that it could actually be one of these type of things. Yeah. I, I kind of speculated that when they came out with the Mavic too, because they've got a, they've had a patent for a while. I forget the name of it. It's Robo something or other, but it's a, it's a terrestrial vehicle um, that was actually sold in Europe. And I think it was sold in Asia, but never released in the States as far as I know. Kind of a cool product. If you're a commercial film maker, you know, if you're a director and you need to get that fast action shot, but I don't know if it makes a lot of sense now that they've got drones to the point of sophistication where I can fly a drone in a clear space four feet off the ground and get the same shot that's smoother. So I, I would wonder what the use case would be for that specifically. Um, yeah. Although it's it's something they've patented and trademarked and I've talked about it on the channel before. It'd be kind of cool to see it, um, but I don't well, know. You know um, you know, and, and talking about a hypothetical uh, spark, let's say, um, you know, I know one of the some of the big talk and I know up in, in Canada, you know, they're talking that do you think it might come under the 250 gram rule? And, you know, and, and I said, you know, that's an interesting, interesting point. But, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people would want with a new spark or a spark Two or a spark X is more runtime because, you know, that's the thing that probably more than anything, more than the lack of a 4K camera probably frustrated me more was I'm up, I'm getting a great shot right now. Oops, you know, I'm down to 25% battery. I got to come back, you know. Right. What do you think about that? Yeah, so I think you're fighting the laws of physics there. I mean, the lithium polymer technology, which is the driving force behind how much energy you can pack, the energy density into a battery of a physical size, 
hasn't really matured much. And I, I did a clip on this in the channel talking about it. Um, the professor that actually invented the LiPo technology, believe it or not, his name is Goodnow, I think it is, Professor Goodnow. And he's in his late 70s, early 80s. And he's been working in the last five years on a brand new type of polymer battery that doesn't use um, a flexible polymer like a, an aggregate. It actually uses glass, which he claims will be 10x the power density and about half the weight and about half the recharge time. And they're close to commercializing that, but I, I'm getting a little adrift here. But what I'm getting at is there's nothing DJI can do to add magic to what a light bus all can put out. So you wanna fly longer, it's gotta be a bigger cell, it's gotta be heavier. Then there's the distractions of if it's heavier, I'm not gonna get as much flight time. So you're kind of chasing your tail in some respects. And I think what they've done up till now, even with the Spark, if I'm gonna argue in favor of it, is they've done a great job of balancing a good amount of flight time with the right amount of weight for the battery to give you a pleasurable experience, you know, but not making it too heavy. Cause there's a, a large diminishing returns that kicks in after a while where, yeah, you can pack a lot more energy density into the battery, but the, the cost in energy terms of lifting that uh, takes away the benefit of having that extra uh, capacity in the battery. So I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be longer. I wouldn't be surprised. And again, hypothetically, and I don't know anything if DJ ever watches this, um, if they come out with the spark X, if it's it's going to fly, I get 20 minutes out of that, 25 minutes out of that. I mean, that that's pretty cool. And if I can fold that, put it in my pocket or put it in my suitcase and it's got a 4K camera, that's that's what I need. I mean, that's that's a threat to the Mavic Air at that point. Yeah. And that's so cool. one of the things that, you know, I want to go want to go to the, the Phantom line and, and talk about that for a second you know and i know you know the you know i was on and i and i talked to romeo and you know he came up with his answer but you know i still i'm like you i i kind of agree with you um you know i majored in business besides it and one of the things that you know in our senior business year we had to do a use case study an actual real world study and you had to name your product and you know a lot of money gets sunk into naming products rick and you you know when you hear the name phantom instantly you have that image in your mind it's an iconic image it's something yeah. that, that that you think of instantly so you know i agree with you i don't think that the name is going anywhere however i think we're going to see a totally new kind of platform um i think we'll see something probably you know along the lines of having retractable gear i think it'll also be foldable I think we'll have different camera options on it too. And everybody's going to do a big gulp when DJI comes out and announces it's, you know, starting at $1,999, you know? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Bill. And I think a couple things real quick. I think number one, you're right. Um, the market awareness of Phantom, which is really what gave the company its legs initially, Mavic was kind of a stretch for them because it was an entirely new class that that consumer awareness, the fact that customers understand what it is when they hear the name, costs you tons of money to get that out in the market space. And that's not something you throw away. That's a that's a Kleenex or a Band-Aids or a, a Pepsi. Like that brand name means something to people. So Phantom is something that's well established in the marketplace. I don't think it's going anywhere. And I'll make the prediction tonight. And again, I don't know this to be a fact, but there's gonna be another Phantom. And I don't know what Romeo said. I heard he may have said, no, they're dead. I don't believe that for a second. They're not gonna throw away that Phantom name. I also agree with you that it's probably gonna be a different airframe form factor than what we've seen up until now. I'm not so much enchanted with the legs popping up out of the way because if you've ever flown the Inspire, I don't know if you've had a chance to fly that bird. Yeah, I've I have. Flown a lot. You can't really control that bird and control the camera adequately with one flyer. You need a second person where mm -hmm. I'm flying it to get the shot and you're running the camera to get that actual, you know, lensing and follow effect. So it, it sounds cool, but when you actually get it up in the air, it's very difficult to control the flight characteristics as well as the camera characteristics. So it's interesting, but it's not that interesting. For me, and I've said this for years now, what would really kill it for me in the Phantom space is if they made an extensible platform. Because if I'm DJI and I release it where I've got somewhat of a standard interface connecting to it, whether they're using USB-C or some other interface that's standard, I make that extensible, publish the API, and then all these nerds in California, myself being one of them, come out of the woodwork building attachments that I can snap onto the bottom of that drone. I've got a complete food chain of purchase uh, from a consumer for the next two or three years. You know, not only the stuff I build, but the stuff that developers put on. So I, I think that's where they should be. If I were in charge of DJI, if they're listening, that's where I'd go. I'd be a fan of it, be an extensible platform. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, you brought up the Mavic Air and, you know, one of the things that I think that they'll do is I think 
they're not going to rewrite the book necessarily. But what I see happening is like when we saw the um, Mavic um, Mavic Pro upgrade, when they upgraded to the new ESCs and, yep. and the new, new choir props, I see that happening very easily because, you know, I, I know people, I, I have a friend over in the UK that sold his simply because it sounded like a hornet's nest. And he just, yeah. it was it's just, it wakes everybody up in the neighborhood. Yeah, and I, I agree. And I, I also think, and, and I, I get into super nerd territory when I start talking like this, but what excites me so much about this technology, beyond the fact that I just love getting up in the air and looking down, is the amount of engineering resources it takes to make a small, subtle change. Like when they came out with the platinum version of that, and all they did, people said, all they did was change the ESCs to sinusoidal ESCs and made the low noise blades. That engineering effort to do that took a laser focus from DJI to look at those ESCs and say, okay, we're using stepped ESCs up to this point with square wave driven uh, signals. Now we're moving to sinusoidal. That's gonna make it quieter. It's gonna be more efficient. I'm gonna get a couple extra minutes out of the battery. If we increase the prop uh, pitch at the end with the talons, that's gonna give us a little better efficiency for lift. All that stuff as a consumer, I love it. And I love the fact that they backported it to my Mavic Pro. You know, that they didn't say, no, 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 this is a platinum product. You gotta buy this to use that new gear. They allow me to use it on the gear I've got. So. Those tiny little nuances, and I know on my channel, I get grief for it all the time because I love talking about smart companies, and these guys are one of them. Uh, those tiny little changes are a big, big deal. And I think you're right. I think from now on, you won't see a quad release from those guys that doesn't have a sinusoidal ESC and probably no noise props. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's one thing I know a lot of people had talked about. Um, kind of want to sort of switch gears here a little bit. Yeah. Your three, three best drones under $100. I absolutely love that because I think, you know, and, and I know what Kelly Shore's opinion is, you know, he, it's the SEMA, SEMA X5C. You know, he said, you know, that's what cool. that's what you got to start out with. Yep. But I really like your choices here. And I think one of the things that I think a lot of people um, fail to recognize is, you know, especially with the Rise Tello, I, I, I know they're coming out with new, uh, there's new, new apps. And I one of the big things is, and you brought it up, I don't know, I forget if it was in this video or another one, talked about how you really need a controller with the yeah. Rise Tello. Yeah, you, you do and you don't. I mean, it's fun to fly with a phone and that's the cheapest way to do it. So for a hundred bucks, you can walk into a store tomorrow, buy a Rise Tello, take it home. And, and all your guys that are watching are drone guys already. But when I go to dinner parties, I'm the most obnoxious guy at the table because I won't shut up about drones. And when people say, well, I don't want to spend a lot of money. What should I get? Buy a Rise Teller. You take that home and you've got kids. The minute you put that thing up in the kitchen and you realize how stable it is, how cool and easy it is to fly from your phone and the tricks it can do, you're going to be hooked. So I agree with him that that other quad is really seductive. The reason I picked these three were, number one, I fly them. Like I said in the clip, I fly them. I like them. I think they're durable. They're easy to charge. They've got standard charging. None of the shenanigans with these third-party chargers that have a wacky connection. But I love the programmability of it as well because, again, the fact that I can then take something that I can fly, write a little program, have this autonomously at the click of a, a return key, lift off the ground, fly 10 feet, land, spin around, do a little dance, is just super cool. So I like that. And just to carry that forward a little further, I think there's a gap that maybe DJI is going to address if they're going to release a product in spring. You'll probably see a couple of products coming. I wouldn't be shocked if we see something in the Phantom class, maybe something in the Spark class, or some hybrid of where the Spark and the Tello fit, because that engineering that went into the Tello isn't wasted. That was definitely an experiment to see where they're at. And there's a gap right there at 199 bucks under 200 that I think if you if you left, the, it's gonna sound terrible, but if you left the Spark and the Tello in a dark closet for a couple in a couple hours, it would pop out with the third quad that would have a combination of both those. They'd give birth to a quad that would have both their features. I think that's it, because there's there's still a threshold with consumers that hasn't been crossed yet. And all of us that fly, me in particular, are hoping that the public likes us better and they don't like us all the time. They think, oh, drones, we hate them. The minute you get into a consumer's hand where the grandkids are flying it, grandpa's flying it, grandma's giving it a shot, that $199 mark where it's got some intelligence where they can toss it in the air, do the selfies, do the shots, all the special shots we do, and the consumers are gonna eat that up. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something Maybe it's a Tello 2 or it's this half a spark. I don't know what they're going to call it, but I think there's something in that space that could definitely take off. Yeah, that really sound that really does sound good. You know, and I was real, I was real I love seeing your series because I, I think this is something that I think a lot of people have a tendency to, to neglect. 
is, you know, um, you, you know, your new drone flyer guide, you know, um, you know, know your gear, know the rules and know your location. And one of the things I just did now, I'm going to digress for a second. I know you, you have a podcast. Well, I started a podcast too. And I found the best place was the same as yours was Podbean. I, I just absolutely loved, loved how their delivery, where they're at, everything about it. And, and it's just a perfect fit. And I've got mine on both um, iTunes and on, on Google Play Store. And I'm having a blast with it. Absolutely, totally having a blast. But one of the things that I did was, you know, I, I talked about, you know, knowing your location and knowing where to be able to fly. And this is one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, so often, you know, we're all wound up with the app, whether it's AirMap or, you know, whatever we're, Kitty Hawk or whatever we're using, you know, in we're, we're in a, say in a park in a county or a city, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we don't know, you know, I mean, yeah, AirMap tells us we're good, whether, you know, we're using Hobbyist or 107, but yeah. does it, are, are we really good? You know, because there may be a local city or a county ordinance. And what I tell people to do, Rick, is I said, you know what the best suggestion that I have is get on a local Facebook group or Facebook page because there's one here in the Tampa area. And what he does is the admin of the group, he pins locations that are marked as, as good, safe, okay to fly. Right. Um, what are your thoughts about that? No, I agree with you. And that's the biggest challenge of this, of this hobby we have is that, um, and I've been frustrated. I, I did a clip. I don't know, a couple of years ago when I first got into YouTube and, it, and the title of the clip is where the hell can I fly my drone, which was a bit aggressive, but I was frustrated because I'd done the research, gone to a local park and it was like they descended on me, like the park rangers descended on me for flying my little quad. And I'm like, but I checked it and there's nothing. They go, well, in this ordinance buried in the bottom on page seven, you can't fly in the park. And I'm like, well, how can you have different rules than the Federal Aviation Administration, which has really got sovereignty over everything from the ground to the heavens, right? I mean, how do you guys supersede that? They're like, well, we passed that local ordinance. So I agree with you, it's frustrating, but it is getting better, I can tell you that. Like in New Jersey, and I've talked about it on the channel, we actually use a, a company, not a company, but an organization called NODE, N-O-D-E. Um, and what they do is they're an advocacy group that has attorneys and they have people that have gone through this process before. I'm actually working on a clip talking about it, where you can engage them in your state. And the best way to put a bit of a defense up over those ridiculous no-fly zones. I mean, some of them are legitimate. If it's a prison, certainly. If it's Disney World, don't fly over Disney World airports, all the stuff we know. But if it's a park, or in my case, it was Long Beach Island, which is a an island off the coast of New Jersey, beautiful location. I, I grew up down there in the bay, clamming all my young days down there on the bay, crabbing and all that. I want to put a quad up and relive some of the places that I you know, visited when I was a kid. Can't fly there. We've decided nobody flies on the beach. And I'm like, it's September. It's me and two seagulls. Who am I hurting flying my drone on the beach? But you can't. So I, we got Node involved in New Jersey. And Node said, look, we're not going to argue with Long Beach Island. We're going to go to the state. And we're going to say to the state, to the governor's office, this is ridiculous. These are onerous rules that people are reacting, knee-jerk kind of things. If the Federal Aviation Administration says it's safe and they follow these rules, it should be safe. And lo and behold, the governor passed a bill that rescinded all the local bans. So in New Jersey, unless it's listed as an NFZ, an official NFZ by the FAA, you can fly anywhere you want. So, and I just had it happen two days ago where I was in a park near me and I'm flying, you know, and then and you get the tap on the shoulder. It's like, you got to land the quad. And first of all, that's a bad thing to do because the quad's up in the air, but I'll bring it down and have the conversation. They don't necessarily know because they, they're looking at the rules that were put in place three years ago. Mm -hmm. So what I recommended again with the no location thing is I carry that ordinance with me, that, that state mandated rescind, rescinding of all those local bans so that with that conversation, I, I said to him, look, just give me a second. I'll go to my car and get you the legislation. And I showed it to him. And right in there, it says that this supersedes all local and regional bands. He read that and said, all right, well, OK, don't fly today, but I'm going to look into this. Like he wanted to you know, verify it with his boss. So now what I've done is taken the extra step to say, can I meet with New Jersey Department of um, Forestry you know, and, and talk to them and let them know, Department of Fish and Wildlife, let them know to sort it out. But I agree with you. It's frustrating. I mean, it should be a simple process, but if you do your homework, you're going to have less problems. And I think that's a great idea what they're doing there with that Facebook group. You know, and, and I like that, Rick, you just said a real key thing here. You do your homework because a lot of times, you know, we run gun, go out, you know, grab our bag, throw it in the car and so we're, we're there, you know, and the same thing. And then boom, you know, you, you know, you get that inevitable tap on the shoulder and one of the things, and I've said this, and I know my, my, my viewers and subscribers know this, and I harp on this, you know, if a 
law enforcement official asks you to stop flying, you don't are number one, you don't no, argue. No, okay. You're not and gonna you, win that. You're, you're not, not exactly you know, no, we're good, right? Don't 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 be like, oh, I got my 107, so you yep. know, I'm yep. I'm I'm the king of the hill kind of no, comply with what he says, land your quad, and then talk and talk right. reasonably and talk in a calm tone, no matter how he approaches you, talk calmly, and then right. you know, if you have to leave, leave. You know, that that's the kind of yeah, thing. I agree. And my recommendation, and I said it in the clip as well, is that if you know you're right politely have the conversation. But in my mind, he's now interfering with my ability to fly that day. If it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon, I'm going to spend five or 10 minutes trying to educate him so I can put the quad back up. But if it turns out that I realize I'm not going to get anywhere today with this guy, I'm polite. I say, look, you're misinformed. I'm going to come back and talk to your supervisor on a rainy day when I'm not, I can't fly anyway. And I'll come back on a rainy day and we'll sort it out. But the worst thing you can do is get belligerent because even though you may not be violating the statute by flying in that park, you can get aggressive and there are statutes about being aggressive to a park official, right? And if he feels threatened because you're coming on too strong, things can turn pretty bad pretty quickly. So I, I'm always polite anyway. I don't, I'm not going to yell at somebody, but, and there's plenty of places to fly. So land the quad, drive two miles that direction and put it back up again. Just have fun out there is all I say. You know, th this is, I I'm glad we, we touched on this because I had an email from a subscriber today and he, he's a, he's a photographer over in Hawaii and sometimes he contracts his business out to CNN um, as far as disasters are concerned, and he uses a Mavic 2 Pro among his his arsenal of uh, photography devices. But one of the things that he said he's trying to do, uh, and he contacted his U.S. senator from the state of Hawaii, is to get legislation passed so that handicapped people can be able to fly in national parks. As you know, you know that's like a humongous no-no. Yeah. And, and from what I heard when I talked, I have a friend out in California who's um, used to work for NBC Sports. He owns a helicopter. He flies. He has he has he probably has twice as many drones as, as both you and I combined. And he told me, he said, you know, that's that's one of the things that that really has absolutely frustrated him. What was 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 hearing this stuff. He says it is so he says you would have a better uh, chance of walking on water with one hand than getting approved to fly in a national park. Well, yeah. what, what this photographer in Hawaii said, what he wants is to be able to get legislation passed so that handicapped uh, people who fly drones can be able to fly them in national parks. And I actually, I asked him and he's, he's heading over to Hong Kong for some business, but I'm going to try to get him on the show as well too, because you know, I know, um, you know, Mike Roche, who's on, on, on the show tonight, he's handicapped. And, um, you know, we talked about, I know that one company and I know they were out at CES. Yeah. Um, I, met I met with him. I forget the name of the company, but I actually met the guy who invented it. He was a fighter pilot, I believe for the air force for a bunch of years. Yeah. Uh, really, and a really cool product. I think it's, I think it's going to open up a lot of doors for people that are, are challenged that way that, that need that kind of special controller look mm -hmm. like a pretty cool product. Well, you know, I, I and, and I brought up the point, you know, and I, and I talked this over with Mike is, you know, they need to mount that on some kind type of a board or something, you know, you could, you know, for, ex for example, you know, I know two of mine subscribers, one of them doesn't have um, one of their limbs and I forget which one. So, you know, that's impossible for them. They need it right. mounted on a platform on a board. Right. And, you know, this and this also kind of ties in with why I got so uh, passionate about precision landing when we found out, you know, early on about the Mavic 2, it's because of instances like this, you know, where, um, you know, it's impossible sometimes they need, you know, handicapped flyers needed to land where it's, it's supposed to land and take off, you know, where it's supposed to take off kind of a thing. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I thought that, that, that whole thing was real interesting. Now I'm going to, we're going to switch gears from DJI and everything and want to talk a little bit about Autel. Now, you know, they just lost their lawsuit or one of their lawsuits to DJI. And I know you saw them out at CES. What yep. was your what was your take on Autel and everything that's going on with them? Right yeah. Now? So original Dobo is going to hate me for saying this, but um, I, 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 I want to work with Autel. I've, I've pleaded with them to get access to their tech, to talk to their engineers, to test their gear early. And I just can't get a response back from them. I mean, I even met with their head of marketing or head of product development for North America at the show. And if you watch the clip on the channel, I kind of always try to box them in at the end to say, and you're going to send me a test unit. And they go, oh, sure we are. You know, not that it's a contract or anything, but I love, you know, trying to box them in and I can't get them. I, they won't return emails. They won't return phone calls. I mean, it's just, 
it's like they're in a vacuum. So I was really hoping, and I still am, that they'll come out of that cloud with a product that looks cool. Because I thought the Evo, when I saw them last year, CES 2018 or 2017, whatever last year's was at CES, that blew me away. None of us saw that coming. We were all looking at, you know, their previous quad X, uh, X star. And um, when I saw that in the, in the booth, I thought, oh man, this is something, this is going to be a competitor. Cause at the time the Mavic two wasn't out, it, it went nowhere. And it came out with the micro, the one over two thirds, 2.3 sensor, the one inch never came. And when I pressed them hard at the show, they didn't have any answers. And, it, and to be honest with you, Bill, I'm not trying to diminish the work involved, but moving from one over 2.3 to a one inch sensor, it's not that big a deal. Okay, your center of balance is going to be off. You got to adjust some of your telemetrics, but it's not like they're reinventing the wheel. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know whether it's a funding issue or maybe they've got something really big they're coming out with it. They're going to launch. Um, I did like their flight deck. I thought that was a really clever device that allowed you to pick up on the signal and broadcast it to a TV. That's something I think DJI should come out with. I'd love to see that for OcuSync too, where you buy this little box that you can run off of a battery bank and then you can you can watch your, you can have somebody else watch your, footage live um, from the quad, but I'm, I'm disappointed in them. I really am. And I, I felt the same when the Karma went away. I know I get a lot of grief for talking about the GoPro Karma product, but I feel like any company that enters the drone market, that's a serious threat to the preeminent company, which we know is DJI at this point. Not that I want DJI not to win, but I love competition because it drives engineering. It drives the prices down. It gives us much more choice across all the platforms that are out there. So when the Karma went away, that hurt because that was an American company that would have really helped move the legislation forward in a good way. And it would have probably helped us with driving innovation. I thought Autel was gonna step up. Unique's a whole different conversation than Autel, but I really was looking for Autel to step up. And, and that's why I'm so excited about the X-Dynamics product. Not that I wanna you know plug those guys, but I feel like X-Dynamics is a company that's really looking at the market saying, we're flyers, we're gonna build a quad that flyers wanna fly, a quad that we'd be proud of. And they're not looking at DJI or Autel, they could care less what's being released. They're just building it for other flyers. And I think competition's good. So I was disappointed and still am that Autel hasn't done a better job of at least releasing a one inch sensor for the Autel Evo. That would have been a, at least a start. Um, well, you know, I, I could have sworn and and you know that that they were gonna that they were gonna do something and then when their big thing was they announced their 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 charger and then that right. hub, I was like, I was like scratching my head. And then the other thing is they weren't available yet. They were still and, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think they just came out with one of them right now. And I mean the hub. you the know hub. I mean the uh, charger, but not the the flight deck's not available yet. I, it's I've, not available yet. You know, I got an email yesterday saying, dude, what's going on? Like I'll I'll pay retail for it. Get me one of those things to test. Not even a response back. So in I don't C know what's going on. here's the other thing, you know, I talked to Kelly Shores when I had him on yep. and he, he said the same thing because he had actually, he, he had tried to get with Autel and Autel has, did not like you, they, they don't answer emails. They don't respond back. It's just, you know, it scratches my head, Rick, because, you know, everybody wants them to succeed. Okay. And, yep. and I understand that. And, you know, I will say from my experience, you know, I had an X-Star Premium and I love the hardware. At that time, the software was the Achilles heel. And yep. then, you know, I think they got up to speed with the Evo. I, I think they're doing a much better job. They're responding back better with this. But they got to get on track with, they got to tie in, you know, and I know they're not as big as DJI. And, and you know, they don't have it doesn't the manpower of the resources. You don't need to be an 800-pound gorilla. I mean, if you build a product people like, they're going to buy it. And that Evo, I fly it. I have it. I was flying it two days ago. Yeah, I was flying it on Sunday, a day ago, <laughs> losing track. But anyway, I was flying it a day ago, and I like it. I mean, the quality of the image is great. I like the crash avoidance on it. It's quieter, I think, a little bit than the Mavic 2 when I put them side by side. So it's a great product. I just... And I was trying to off camera, I was trying to really get across to them, like what an opportunity they have right now, because this market is exploding. Oh, yeah. Every day new flyers are looking for alternatives, maybe to a DJI product, or at least to have a choice. I mean, they had that, not to beat them up too bad, but they had the Evo at the show, not this year, but last year in the booth with a one inch sensor on it and another model, they're both mock-ups with a 360 degree camera on it. So how do you, how do you have them as mock-ups and not have some engineering behind it ready to release them. That's just, it's frustrating is all I can say, but it's a good quad for what it is. I just think they could well, do original Dobo's in the house and I want to thank you oh, for, man. Uh, no. <laughs> for his, contributing uh, uh, to the, to the um, um, 
fun. Thank you very much, Ken. Appreciate that. I know. I did say I liked it, so don't don't beat me up there, Dobo. I said I liked it a lot. <laughs> he just and congrat and happy anniversary to you, Ken. I know you just he just went out to Vegas with his wife to celebrate their I think fifteenth anniversary. So very nice. So kudos, kudos to you. That's that's great. And sorry about your your plane trip back. It was a plane trip from Hades, I guess. So <laughs> that's one of those things. All right, I, I want to kind of go back to um, I know th um, the Osmo Pocket, all right, and I know you've had it, and I know you've used it a lot. I know I they it. just came out with a firmware update today. Yep. What's your overall impressions at this point? Yeah, I know, and it sounds like I'm excited about everything, but the, you know, and again, from an engineer's perspective, the technology is what gets me every time because I, I I've worked in product development my entire career, forty years at this point, where I've worked in the engineering labs where we've put stuff together as prototypes brought it to market as a finished product. And I can tell you that getting consensus and funding and moving products through a, a production cycle is an impossibility for big companies. I've worked for HP, I've worked for Hitachi. So for them to come from a full-size Osmo that's this big down to that size with the amount of tech that's packed into it is, is mind-blowing to me. And I use it uh, more than my DSLR. I mean, I bring the DSLR along a lot of times when I'm filming, but all my, all my crane shots now, all my stabilized shots when I'm walking, I look like a knucklehead because I was out over the weekend. I have a hat that has a GoPro attachment and I had the Osmo on that. And my wife was embarrassed to walk next to me. But what made it even worse is an hour later, the battery's gonna die. So I've got now a battery pack with a cable to it in my, my, I have my sweatshirt on in the hood of my sweatshirt. So I must've looked like a complete crazy guy out there, but I love that camera. I just think it's fantastic. and. What drives me crazy, and I, I probably shouldn't say this because I get a lot of hate mail, but it drives me crazy when people will look at that and pick on it and say, it's kind of cool, but why didn't they do this? Or why didn't you do that? Why don't you just enjoy it for what it is? You know, just buy it and use it. If it doesn't fit your needs, don't buy it. But how do you pick on something that is that demonstrably better than anything that's been on the market up to that point? And that, that's just my take on it. I think it's fantastic. And I use GoPro. I got a GoPro Hero 7 downstairs, and I use that as well. But that Osmo is, it's unbelievably cool kit. You know, um, and I want to thank Drone Worship for uh, Super Chat as well, too. Um, you know, it, and I saw they just came out with a firmware update. And I wanted to ask you about that new attachment that they have for, because I know the number one thing, and, and I've seen it from everybody, um, you know, I know Original Dobo talked about it. Um, I know um, Ash from Droning On talked about it, the sound, okay? And, you know, I know that was kind of like, if I don't want to call it Achilles heel, but that's something that everybody says, you know, that was probably the number one area of improvement. Now with that attachment, have you got the attachment and yep. tried it? And what's your results with that? Yeah. So I have all the accessories they've released at this point I've got, and I've tested them and done clips on the channel about them. I think that that was um, probably something they should have had at the point of launch. I know a lot of people get frustrated that the product came out and then the accessories come out later. But you have to remember, and I'm defending them again, I feel like I'm all I'm doing is defending DJI tonight, but you have to remember that DJI is a multi-headed company. They've got a division that works on their Crystal Sky, they've got a division that works on their aeronautics, and there's actually, I think, two divisions. One works on the consumer products, one works on the Inspire. So that's why sometimes when a product like Crystal Sky comes out, the software is not quite the same. Or when the new smart controller came out, it supported the Mavic 2, but not the enterprise version, different team, right? So it takes time for that stuff to happen. What um, I, I'm getting far adrift here, but the accessory people that are put together the accessories for the Osmo again are a different team inside of DJI. So I think they launched the, the Hero 7 came out. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, stabilized footage. This is unbelievable. We got to get this. DJI saw that. And as they often do, they did it with the Mavic when the Karma hit. They had to push that Osmo out. That was a very rushed event, very last minute invites, very small team, very small crowd. It was hard to get in there. And Billy Kyle was there. Um, I, I really had to like kind of muscle my way into that meeting. I don't think they were ready with the accessories to even be close to being launched and they're slowly rolling them out. But I have to tell you that audio accessory um, changes the game because it takes that three and a half millimeter connection you use for your microphone and marries it perfectly with the USB-C connection into the Osmo. And if anybody out there has used the Hero products and you've tried to use their audio adapter, Bill, it's this big. I mean, it's physically gigantic. It's the size of a stick of butter almost. And it's just so clumsy to have that thing hanging off the camera. This thing's small, it's elegant, it does the job. And it I have to be fair, it does different, different quality with different microphones. So it's important you pick the right kind of microphone to use with it. But I, I've been using it ever since I got it and it really does improve the audio quality tremendously. Now, I, I've got to ask you, you know, with, with the Osmo Pocket, you know, and I know I've seen some 
rigs advertised, you know, where they're set up and, you know, you can mount your, your smartphone of choice next to it and so forth. How do you, how do you use yours? Do you use yours like that or do you just use it? Yeah, as so, it? so one of the problems with the Osmo and not problem, but one of the challenges is that there's a gigantic universe of a million accessories and mounts that are out there from 3d printed ones to Chinese knockoff ones. And, and I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but of the official DJI accessories, and I don't know if Dobo would agree on this or not, but there's four accessories that are out. So we have the Wi-Fi base, we have the thumb wheel, we have the um, audio adapter, maybe there's three out. Of those three, uh, not as impressed with the thumb wheel. Now, some people love it. For me, I think it's just, it was expensive. I don't know if it necessarily makes sense for me, but the audio adapter, absolutely. And the Wi-Fi base, absolutely. As far as mountings go, there are two mounts that I use on a regular, well, three that I use on a regular basis. One is a hat mount. So I'm using a GoPro mount with the original um, adapter that, that's the fourth one, the adapter that they came out with the Osmo Pocket. I use that on my hat. I use that with a lot of my GoPro accessories. I have a selfie stick. We sell it on the channel, but I have a selfie stick that I can use it to extend it. And before the audio adapter came out, I have a cable that connects up to your phone. So you can hold your phone and actually use the selfie stick to get above a crowd or get close to something and use your phone as a monitor, which is pretty cool. Um, I do use it a lot where it's connected to the phone, where it's plugged into the end of the phone. But again, the challenge there is you can't, heaven forbid, you try to leave the phone, hang off the side of the Osmo, it's going flying. And the same will happen on the other side with the Osmo, it'll work its way loose. So there is an adapter that'll hold those two together. And I'm not pitching our store, but we sell that as well, but it holds them together. And then that gives you a nice little package for this. And I use that a lot when I'm doing important filming with it, when I'm doing B-roll or I'm doing any kind of moves and pans, because I've got a beautiful little monitor there to see exactly how am I framing the shot? Is there somebody in the background? All that stuff. So those are the three that I use more than the others. Uh, but there's a ton of other stuff out there. I mean, they're coming out with a an underwater holder real soon. They're coming out with a carrying case that'll charge it. So there's a lot of accessories coming. Well, you know, I just saw recently that, um, and this was confirmed. I think I think it was. I, I, I might have seen it on Drone DJ, but um, DJ I confirmed that they're not going to be at, at NAB this year, and that kind of comes as a bit of a surprise because I know you know the past several years they've been a mainstay there, and then they're just they're going to be a no show this year. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Um, but there are a lot of companies that aren't going this year as well. I'm actually not going to go to the show this year. Um, I've gone the last couple of years, CES and NAB both, but this year I have conflicts with travel, but. A lot of the big companies that I expected to be there, including DJI, won't be there. So that is interesting. Um, and I don't know. I think that's probably because they launched the Osmo Pocket. There probably isn't something coming in the Ronin space. And maybe there's nothing for the commercial side, which is really what that show is all about. And those are expensive shows to go to. And DJI, just like a lot of the companies, they don't go there and go small. You're not going to see them on a little card table in the corner with three guys and some business cards. Like when they go, it's like they set up a miniature city. It's so big. They're yeah. displays and they bring everybody from the company. So it's got to be an expensive thing. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot. Phantom 4 Pro V 2.0 or the Mavic 2 Pro and why? I know that's like trying to choose whether you love your son or your daughter more. It's Sophie's so. choice. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's uh, 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 Mavic 2 Pro. Okay. Mavic 2 Pro. And, and I'll say that 70% of the time because there are times when I'm doing real estate or very serious windy days where I've got to get that exact shot that somehow that Phantom 4 Pro V2, it's got the extra weight and ballast to it. It just gives me a smoother move. I know the footage is better on the V2 than it is on the Mavic 2, but uh, to me, it's close enough where it's not that big a difference. But 70% of the time, that Mavic 2, it's with me everywhere, man. That is the perfect quad. Well, you know, and, and somebody asked me this quad, that, that, that same question recently, you know, it's, it's like, you know, trying to choose one of my three kids is my favorite, you know, it's like, well, it depends on my answers always depends on what day you ask me, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I have to say the Mavic two pro and for me, um, you know, I have, um, you probably see, you know, I have a, my, my office is not in the kitchen anymore. Okay. I have great. I thought, yeah. It looks wonderful. Bedroom and behind me, I have back there, I got a desk on purpose from Home Depot and I call it the flight line. I actually got a, a nice big brochure uh, or, you know, uh, a wall mount up there. It says, you know, with my logo and flight line. And the reason I call it flight line is I have two landing pads that, that fit on that desk perfectly, but it's where both of my drones sit. The batteries are there. The chargers there. I mean, it's all, everything's all ready to go. And, you know, even, even because, you know, it's like that. I captured an incredible sunset. And the reason I was able to do that was I don't fold my Mavic 2 Pro up, okay? When it's sitting at home, it's out. And all I got to do, 
slap the battery in, you know, get my iPad, boom, you know, the, everything's set up. It's ready to go. Yep. Um, and one of the things, and, and that kind of leads me to my next question is about, I know people haven't really talked about a lot about it lately is the smart controller, you know, um, I, I, and I've heard a lot of what you had to say, but I want to hear what your impressions are after having it for a period of time. Yeah. So I'm actually doing an update clip. I think next week on it, I've got it on the schedule. Um, it's a game changer. I mean, it, it's a mic drop moment in so many ways because it's easy to set up a standard controller, pop your iPad four in the bottom, hook up the cable, you know, and try and find a shady spot when you're outside to actually see what's going on. And that works great. I'm not saying you have to move to the smart controller, but that smart controller is a different experience completely. It's integrated. It's quick. The boot up time on it's less than 15 seconds. And I'm not. And again, I'm not rushing it up in the air. Like I said in the channel, you want to make sure you've got the right clearance, you know, where the tall things are, you know, you're not going to be violating any kind of federal airspace. But the fact that I can get up quickly and not have to deal with, oh my gosh, I forgot a cable or, oh, it's too sunny out. I can't see it. I got to put a clunky hood on the top of it. It's bright. It's crisp. The, the resolution is fantastic. I'm convinced I get a little bit of range out of it than I do in the standard control. And it might just be me. Um, but I love it. I think it's, I like it even more now than when I got it. Um, it's, it's my go-to thing. It really is. And I just take I have three cases I take, or two cases. I take the, the drone in a small case like this. That, I take that, that's got the drone in it. And I take the smart controller in a case about the same size and they're in my car. And if I find some beautiful field I wanna film and I'm driving to, you know, to a friend's house or something, I'm gonna be late because I'm pulling over and I'm gonna fly until the battery's then. But that controller's, it's rock solid. I think they did a great job with it. I know there's a lot of controversy. I wish that they'd have been smarter and released it when they released the Mavic 2 because I think people would have loved to have a choice to say it's this much with the standard controller and this much more if you want the smart controller. It wasn't ready. And like I mentioned a few minutes ago, that's because that division that builds that is the same group that builds the Crystal Sky. And they're just they're not as in sync as they need to be. So somebody's well, got to call some heads over there between those well, product teams. Well, you know, what, that, that's one of the things I wanted to wanted to ask you was, you know, our, and, and bring up, you know, one of the and I get this question a lot is you know it is the perfect solution for the Mavic 2 Enterprise series, but yet they still haven't come out with an update for that. You know, and and it's like you know th that's frustrating because you know and I know I've talked to Romeo a little bit about this. You know, having having that available for this on a moment's notice, you know, seconds mean a life that could be saved, and you know that that's something. You know, having that solution. Ready, readily available. Power on the drone. Power on the smart controller. You're ready to go. I mean, right. you know, there's no hooking cables up. Anything. You're ready to go, and it's still not there yet. And I think that's really frustrating a lot of people right now. So I'll I'll issue a challenge to your chat, your uh, subscribers, and the people on the live chat. So I I spent a lot of time talking to the engineers at DJI, and I'm lucky that they listen. Sometimes, sometimes they don't. And I just had them send me an email with a questionnaire saying, now that you've had the smart controller for I don't know four months, whatever it is. We'd like, number one, we'd like your impressions. What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? And specifically, what other quads would you like us to support? And then what other features would you like to see in it that aren't in it at present? So I responded, you know, with mine. Of course, I wrote a book because I can't, you know, I can't say anything short. I got to explain everything. But I sent those in. But I'll challenge you guys. I mean, if you want to send me an email, rick at drumvalley.com, or you want to just go on my channel, hit one of my clips and put some comments down there. I'm going to put another one through. And what I'll do is accumulate whatever you think, Bill, you and the subscribers think needs to be incorporated into that. Because I know that engineering team is happy with the product they released, but their, their firmware updates that are coming, I think they're looking to expand what it can do. Now, we can't, it's not going to support OcuSync. It may support OcuSync 1. It's not going to support, um, I'm forgetting the other standard now. Lightbridge. Lightbridge. It's not going to support Lightbridge. <laughs> Um, because the receiver and transmitter aren't in there. But OcuSync 1, I'm, I'm thinking they could stretch it to be a Mavic product as well. Uh, I know it's going to support whatever comes next because it's going to be OcuSync 2. But if you guys have opinions, let me know because I'm, I'll am i probably put that together maybe Friday or Saturday. So I'll, I'll correlate everything you guys or collate everything you guys send me and I'll, I'll send it back and say, this isn't just me talking. This is the field talking. These are people that buy your products that are really interested in you improving this. So okay, guys, helps. you know, Rick, Rick has, has issued you, I don't necessarily call it a challenge, but, but email him. You have a smart controller and you've got something that you want to work with it or just, you know, a question about the software and thing. Email Rick, okay? If you're, if, if you're pissed off too that, you know, you're, you're going to buy it and you're like, I'm not going to buy that thing because it doesn't do X. 
tell me that too, because yeah, I can say to him, if you did this, you'd sell more of them, right? Let's make you know, it's like you know, I know because I directly asked them. I said, okay, guys. I said, and I went out and I tweet DJI support. Now a lot of people think I have favor with DJI. I'm like, you know what? I'm just I'm just a regular guy on YouTube, and I know how to contact them. Okay, but I did ask DJI support. I said. So you can confirm that it will support all devices with OcuSync 2.0, including the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0. And they yeah. said yes. So it can, it can, but it doesn't. It can, not yet. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. I think that'll be easy, right? The V2.0 is easy. I'll tell you, I fly my Tello with it, and I control my Osmo with it, which sounds yeah. ridiculous to be using a $600 controller with a $99 <laughs> drone. But the Wi-Fi is there, and you can load up the Tello application. You can sideload it, and it works great. So for me, I got a little extra. And I'm working on the Mavic. I think I may figure that out too. So, but I think they need to do it officially through firmware. But I agree with you. The enterprise should be the first one they add to it for sure. Yeah, that that that's that, that's a no-brainer. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but on Wednesday nights, I'm on a show with Bill Thomas and Ron Brown. Ron has a great station and um or a channel, and he really does a lot of testing on the Xeno. We fight, in fact, we jokingly refer to him as Xeno Nation. Ron's from New Jersey. I don't know, I think Margate is that the name of the place? Yeah, it's down south. Sure, I fly down yeah. there. Quite a bit. Yeah, Mar he, he's moving there. He has a condo right now, and he and his wife are selling, and they're moving down nice. there. Um, and he, great guy, absolutely love him. And he and Bill Thomas and I were on uh, Coast to Coast Drones, and this season, he, Bill's calling this segment calling it bucket list boys because you know we're all I, I, i'm the senior bucket list boy and ron's a year behind me and and bill's maybe a couple of years back so we have just an absolute blast and we, we talk about you know one of the things that we do is we talk just about anything i mean we've had we had kelly on and we kind of digressed a little bit and talked about our first rock concerts that we went to and yeah. Uh, first cards that we had. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's it's some good it's some good discussion. We have a great time on there, and we would like to have you on now. I know there's a segment available on the last Wednesday of April, and it's on at eight thirty at Eastern. So, um, that, you know, we would absolutely love having you on the show. Twenty third April, is it? Just no, it'd be on the twenty fourth, I think. So. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing you because, um, yeah, we'd love to have I, you on. That means anything. I don't know what that date's about, but um, I, yeah, I think I can do it. I, I'm happy to talk to you anytime you want to talk, man. I'm I'm easy. You know, I love drones. I love talking about them. So uh, I love you know it's it's a it's a lot. You know, it's another another evening away from my 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 beloved, but um, she doesn't mind because you know it's with Ron and Bill are great. Uh, Ron and Bill are absolutely fantastic guys. Absolutely love hanging around them a lot. Bill lives up in near um, near Seattle. Um, you know, he just and a lot of times he's frustrated because you know the weather isn't very cooperative for him to be able to fly like he wants to. But sure. um, but we have we have a lot of fun. Um, you know, we get a lot get a lot of great people in. Um, you know, and in the whole thing in the, the whole thing about it is Bill call calls this part of his channel he calls it drone therapy. And you know you know if you're having a bad day, you know you come home from work, you know get out one of your quads and fly it, you know, get, get out, you know, one of the, one of the three that you reviewed, cause you can fly them indoors, especially on a rainy day. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a perfect release, you know, and I'm the same way, Rick, you know, when, you know, if I'm having a bad day, all I got to do is pop that battery in, turn things on and then boom, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're ready to go as far, as far as that's concerned. So um, no, I, I totally agree. I, from my perspective, um, I've been flying a long time and, it hasn't gotten any better. It's an affliction that I've got. It's going to be there forever. And I tease my wife that I've always had a mistress of technology. Ever since I was a kid, I've been seduced by tech in general. And she's gotten used to my girlfriend. So we work out We work out the schedule. She knows that when we drive to Florida to see my daughter, I'm going to stop 17 times. So she's figured out that if we leave at one in the morning, there's less time, less daylight for me to fly. So that's good for her. But um, I agree with you. I think it's therapy and it's also whatever you can do to make life better. If you get outside and you have those butterflies in your stomach, when you put that quad up, life's good. And we should all feel that way more often. So I'm always telling on the channel, don't worry about what you're buying. Is this one better? Is that one better? Just buy a quad you can afford, charge up the batteries, go outside and fly it and just have you know, fun. Ken, Ken's like that too, original Dobo. He says, you know, oh, the, the best quad that you have is the one that you're using right now. Or, you know, or if you want to go and, and, and Rick, that's why I decided to go ahead and get the Phantom 4 Pro V2.0 was um, because, you know, 
I wanted it. You know, I, I know DJI is probably coming out with something soon, but still, I, I wanted it. And you know, I, the one thing that I really that really brought draw me to drew me to it was the OcuSync 2.0. Right. You know, um, well, I agree, and I also think, Bill, that you got to you got to think about it in terms of technology because even if there's some magical quad coming at the end of April, how much better is it really than the stuff's out today? Like if you mm -hmm. buy a Mavic 2 today, Zoomer Pro, even a Mavic Pro, it's a wonderful quad. You can still get the Platinum. You're not going to see this new quad. What's it going to have lasers on it? Is it going to be invisible? I mean, what could it do that would be that much better? You'd be like, darn it, you know, darn it. I should have waited. For, if you can afford it, get it. But don't wait. Get out there. Summer's a wasting, man. These yeah, don't don't waste your time. You know, with, with the, these kind of things, you know, because you know, it, it, life's too short. And, and, and I think you know, you know, I mean, we don't get to be. And by the way, a belated happy birthday. I know you just had a birthday. Well, yeah, I'm going to live to 100. I'm not going anywhere. So yeah, I'm not going. I, I I keep saying the same thing, Rick. Absolutely. Yeah, you those young guns like Billy Kyle and Original Dobo. It's got to be around a while. So. Those guys, those guys will will go forever. Okay. They there's no there's no off switch to either one of them. Okay. Um, you know one one of the things that 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 I really liked about Canadian Drone Hub and I like being about with Bill's show and everything. You know, it, it's like we need to focus and we need to unite because in terms of being able to fly, you know, and Bill's expressed this concern before too, is, you know, I know you recently saw the article about UPS and, you know, flying the medical supplies down in Wake Forest, which is a yeah. good thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, the, 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 the 999 pound elephant in the room is Amazon and, you know, wanting to, wanting to fly. I mean, they came out with that conceptual thing of that, um, dirigible, you know, with drones coming out of it and dropping yeah. packages and things. And, you know, and, and Bill's right, you know, I, I want to make sure, and this is something, you know, we need to stand united and not divided in making sure that, you know, our voice is heard, you know, because we, I still want to have 10 years from now, Rick, I still want to be flying quads. I still want to be getting my bird, my Mavic 16 up in the air. You know, I, yeah. I, I want to be able to enjoy that. You know, I don't think that I wouldn't worry about it, Bill. I, I really feel like, and I have friends that work for UPS and Amazon and FedEx that are involved in their aeronautics programs that are sort of close to that technology. They're years away from that. And the technology is not there because they'll need some kind of integrated system for knowing where those are versus other planes and other drones. They're years off from that. So I wouldn't worry about it, but I agree with you hundred percent. And all I'll say is that guys like you, Dobo, Kyle, Heron, all, all those guys, even the guys that are subscribers to you and watching this broadcast, you guys are all ambassadors for the hobby. So when you put a clip up and you talk about how much fun you're having, how to fly responsibly, how interesting it is when you go to this location or that location, that's advocacy for the hobby. And the more you do that, people are going to stumble across those clips on YouTube and they're going to want to drone. They're going to go, man, that looks like a lot of fun. And boy, it is a safe thing to do. That, that turns public opinion. We can spend all day fighting court cases over rescinding bans and this thing should be changed. That's not where you need to be. You need to turn the public around. And the more they see us behaving responsibly and flying and having fun, that's a positive thing for all of us. And I would also recommend if you're on YouTube and you stumble across the channel where somebody's doing something god awful and just dumb, let them know. Get on the comments and say, dude, don't fly that quad seven miles over a beach. You're not supposed to be doing that. Don't launch your quad from the roof of a building, you know, and fly it over the top of a stadium. Don't be doing stuff like that because they need to feel pressure to sort of come in line with the way you should be flying. And I know I get grief all the time because I'm always advocating flying responsibly. And some people are like, ah, hey, the government doesn't have any control over what I do. You got to fly responsibly. But you guys are really in charge of that, Bill. And your, your channel is a great way to go. When people ask me about quads, I'll point them at Billy. I'll point them at Dobo. I'll point them at you and say, just go watch a couple of clips and see how much fun these guys are having. Don't take it from me, right? I'm, I'm your friend. You know me. But listen to these other guys and see what they have to say. You're going to love this hobby. Absolutely. So you know, and, and I think, you know, that, that's a good, that's a good way to end, end the show tonight is, you know, we, we need to stay, we need to stay focused and, you know, you, you know, people like you who I look up to, I consider a mentor, Kelly Shores, I consider a mentor, you know, um, you, you guys have done it right since day one, you've started out right. And, you know, and I think the big thing that I really like about you, Rick is humility. You don't, you know, you're, you're not there to, you know, pat yourself on the back. Same with Kelly, you right. know, you know, you, you guys are, you, you're out there because you enjoy what you do. It's, right. it's, 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 you're passionate about it, you know, and it's, and it's fun. You know, for me, you know, 
I was I was starting to get into ham radio when I came down into Florida, you know, and I've got my amateur extra and I'm, you know, and, I, and I'm certified to do just about anything with that. But you know what? I got the drone bug and the drone bug has put my ham radio hobby way to the yeah. side right now. I want to thank Rick for showing up tonight. And guys, make sure you smash that like button on the way out. Not for me, but for Rick. And, and if you haven't, if, if you've been sleeping in a cave for the last hundred years and you don't know Rick's channel, okay, I am going to post a link in the description for you guys. So go ahead and, and, and definitely subscribe to him. Um, you guys had a great chat tonight. I watched the chat. It was fantastic. I don't know about you, but an hour is not long enough with Rick. I absolutely enjoyed my time with him. He is fantastic to talk with. He has such a great knowledge of the drone industry, and I really appreciate the time that he spent with us. In fact, that happened to be my highest rated Tuesday night Rotor Talk Live since I started doing them well over a year. Almost, it's it's coming up on, on two years ago. So it's 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 it was absolutely a fantastic time. Thanks so much for listening, and remember, it's a great day to fly. Till next time.